0: Judy Carter, the author of The New Comedy Bible, and you're listening to The Power of Purpose Podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love. And my guest today does exactly that. We were on a gig together, and I was just so impressed with him. His name is Jeffrey J., And I'm just going to start this off, before I totally introduce him, Uh, listen to a little bit of his comedy.
1: There's a reason I sound like this. Uh, It's because I'm transgender. Don't worry. There are still a lot of people who don't know what that means. Uh, What it means is I was a very attractive 24-year-old lesbian. I took some shots and now I'm a full-grown 16-year-old boy. That's what it means. Uh, I was raised in Texas. Uh, My mother's actually a Republican judge. (laughs) (laughs) She just got elected, so I don't have a joke for
0: that yet. (laughs) I just thought you should know. (laughs) and gentlemen here he is it's jeffrey j hi it's thank you so much for being on the power of purpose podcast and it just seems you are totally on your life purpose aren't you
1: (laughs) it feels like it it truly truly feels like it sometimes and other times like what are you doing
0: what are you doing? Well, you, I assume you've been writing jokes about your mother. How long has she been a Republican judge? And how has she come to terms with, um, I guess, her former daughter now being a male comic <laughs> and outward, and talking yeah. about her on stage? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to say um, I decided to get over some of my own fear and get out there and start doing open mics and um, and do some local shows and Jeffrey just blew me away because you are everything um, I would like to be not not in terms of the trans thing but in terms <laughs> of <laughs> in terms of in terms of, um, in terms of being exactly who you are on stage um, as who you are in life. No matter if you're in Texas, and I know you do a lot of colleges and I want to talk about everything you're doing, but I know there's so many people listening to this podcast who are so scared just to be honest um, up there and go for the low-hanging fruit and we will go for you know, sex jokes or, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And I just, I just want to, he- I so I, I just begged you to be on the show because I really wanted to hear how you did this to me, what is so magical. Tell, tell me a little bit about your journey as a comic.
1: Okay, it's a good thing that you gave that amazing, insane stand-up because now this is going to feel like an ad um, a little bit. Oh, look, I'm getting a spam call. I'm not – it's not a popularity thing. It was spam. Um, but this is going to sound a little bit like an ad for your book because when I show – so, again, I, I've i done the college circuit, and I've done really big shows, and I've done a little bit of TV stuff and all sorts of things that – uh who cares, nobody cares about credits, but the point is—yeah, is, no, we I, do, and- I do, I <laughs> do, <laughs> I do. You
0: did TV shows? What TV shows? I want to know. <laughs> the, uh,
1: the point is that we we went and did this show that was like it was called the Sad Show, and it, yeah. it also like as we were showing up, it it's the most amazing, wonderful like when you say safe space for comedy that has a bad reputation, but it truly is. It felt like an artistic space where you could just try things. It was wonderful. But showing up, it just felt like a local, like, what is this show? (laughs) And, uh, but I showed up like, oh my goodness, Judy Carter is on the show. And then I found out I was going after you. And I just thought, there's a lot of people who people look up to. And I've done shows with many people. I don't think I've ever been... Uh, truly, truly nervous, like I was going up after you, and it's because, like back in two thousand and one, I got your book, oh,
0: the comedy and bible, the original, I, the old I testament, got the original, okay. the old
1: testament. So then I like this is my I found my my second copy, which I have, which is like, like sad looking, <laughs> and I like I was like, oh my goodness, I you know I haven't looked through this, and I have dated stuff in here from two thousand and eleven. Like my comedy contract that I won't <laughs> stop doing comedy until I die. I wrote in this book and I was drawn to it because it reminded me of another book, which I, which heavily inspired me, which is The Artist's Way.
0: Ah, and I, I love I, that book.
1: Yeah. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. And it's really about bringing out your inner artist and about treating. It's not a guide. It uses you to, like, the way your book works is the same way the artist's way works. You use you and your internal feelings to guide how you get into this art instead of saying, hey, this is art and this is how you do it. You go, you got to start with the emotion. You got to start here. What's frustrating you? What makes you mad? And that's where real comedy comes from. And the reason that I ended up Doing comedy the way I do now is because I did try uh, stand up back before I transitioned and I was the
0: worst. <laughs> what was your act because... about back then?
1: Okay, well, this is go ahead and tell you. Uh, I was white, I was middle class. Uh, my mother was an attorney, so while we didn't have a lot of money, I had no problems. I was attractive, and so I had zero problems whatsoever I was unrelatable in my uh, I have no problemsness and also I was lying about it all because I wasn't who I really was inside so here's the craziest thing in the world when I finally transitioned and started talking about being trans on stage that's when I was the most relatable on stage and it's when I was the funniest
0: Wow, I got chills when you said that, and, kind of, and it moved me. Um, I always worry about what will the audience think. You know, like, um, in terms of relatability, which is the most important, you have the funniest jokes, but if you're not going to connect and the audience doesn't relate to you, And since you're not performing for an exclusively LGBTQ plus audience, correct? So you're performing for people who aren't you. How is it possible then that when you started talking about being trans to, let's say, a straight audience, how was that when you connected?
1: Because I... And here's the thing, here's the thing, I've read so many things on comedy, I really treat a lot of it like, um, I like learning the rules of things and then following them in my own way. And so I don't ever know if I'm I'm quoting something that you probably wrote down in your book that I'm like spouting. But the truth is we all have fears and everyone's unhappy with their body. Even the most attractive person in the world is scared that they don't look good enough. Everyone's scared of going to prison Everyone if you have a daughter that you're raising is scared that you're screwing them up now Take all three of those things and I'm transgender. Isn't that worse for me now? Let's laugh about that shared fear by saying hey, isn't it worse for me and now we're all on the same page Wow, and so that's it as wow. long as I don't alienate them
0: Because I know I've encouraged so many people um, um, like to come out about different things. And it's not just coming out in terms of LGBTQ stuff, but in terms of like I was talking to one man who um, his father was his mother's rapist. And right. And. And he just I was on Clubhouse and he was talking about it. A little bit, but he didn't know how to make it funny. I think it happened because he was really putting down men or fathers or something. And I said, sounds like you have father issues. And then he said, well, actually. And then he told me. (laughs) And so I gave him an assignment. um, And I said, you can make this funny. And I said, I want to know what would be... A hallmark um, Father's Day card for your father <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right And he and he did it and it was hilarious and I and I think in him it really unlocked, you know, it just unlocked something in us creatively when we could talk about that. I also felt when I saw your show what was so daring was when you talked about having a daughter and yes the theme of the show was was you know the sad show and we were supposed to take sad stories um I did I I I wasn't doing stand-up and feeling like oh no everybody before me is doing stand-up and killing and not about sad stuff and I'm going to tell a sad story and this is going to bomb but when I saw you I and you talked about um, your daughter it was you said you never talked about it before how tell me about how that material came about and like you went on stage, you just started talking. Did you have an idea of what you were going to say? Or how did that come about?
1: So, no. So here's here's the thing. Here's the real truth behind what happened there. Was that I have been in a creative, like, pro- I've had a creative issue for a little while. And that is that I finally figured out in Texas... I just went back to Texas for the first time in a long time and did shows again and I had been here for a while doing shows and on the road and etc. And colleges are very different than doing a Texas comedy club again. So I did a a run through Texas with the Texas comedy clubs and it had been a while and I forgot how much you have to spoon feed what being transgender is uh to a certain type of actual comedy club audience because they're not in college college kids know more you have wiggle room because they know gender stuff regular comedy clubs in the south they still don't know a lot about being trans they have never seen a person like me in real life they may have heard one or two things but i am very new to them so my structure of comedy is very important and if I move one thing out of place, then their brain starts asking themselves questions and I have to work to get them back real quick.
0: What do you and mean? And I usually will do something. What do you mean so- one thing out of place? What does that mean?
1: Okay, so I have to walk him through that opening joke about my voice. That gives him the idea that something's coming. Then I say I'm transgender, and I baby step him through a joke, and then get to the fact that I've taken testosterone. Then I make a joke about the fact that my mother's a judge. Then I make a little joke about the fact that I used to be a girl, and I mention it a little bit. Then on a longer set that's planned out I will mention like I haven't had any surgeries and I wear a thing called a binder It keeps the boys down. I call my boobs the boys Whatever (laughs) and then I do this But if you do one thing out of place They'll start questioning me and thinking about what it is I am and I'll lose the audience because their mind has had too much time to wander instead of following me along the jokes so
0: keep them laughing because, is, is what you're saying like if you keep them laughing um, mm-hmm. but what happens when you lose them
1: I do a thing where I will stop for a second okay hey 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 guys listen you're gonna have a lot of questions I understand that afterwards you can either ask me or you can go home and Google it Google search it wives just let you know, your, your husband's Google searches are going to be real weird for a while. <laughs> They're just curious. <laughs> and that's it. It gets him laughing and it gets him back on my side so I can keep telling regular jokes without them going like, what is this guy anyways? Because depending on the, the length of the set, I only explain so much of myself. Plus, I don't want to just only tell trans jokes. So right. I tell regular ones in the middle right so that being said here's what led up to my problem and a funk that I actually had a breakthrough right in front of you which is that I've been telling these very relatable jokes about my partner and my daughter because they humanize me as a person who also has family which is super helpful to families who think that trans people are weird I've kind of realized that so I haven't been with my partner in like seven years I also like am no longer the father to that daughter But yet I've continued to tell those daughter jokes because as a crutch, they work really well and they humanize me and I haven't been able to get rid of them. And she just keeps getting older and is (laughs) in high school now. But I keep saying she's like seven and nine and because it helps me really get into the trans stuff. And then I would do all the new jokes. Mm -hmm. So in that moment for the first time ever, I talked about the fact that I am no longer with that partner and... I raised a child from the years of one years old to seven, and then basically lost a child because we split, and that was when the vulnerability came through. I also didn't know I was going to talk about it. I just made a list of my traumas, and when they reacted to when I said um, I lost a child at seven years old, I decided to go into it, and then. I just wrote it out from there. No, I had no idea what I was going to say.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, it was an incredible moment. And I realized something at that point. And it reminded me of another student, someone who's taken my workshop, Hannah Gatsby. I'm sure you love her. Have you seen her first show, Nanette, love, which l- you won an Emmy? L- love, love uh, it. And a lot of the comic, you know, a lot of the guys were going, that wasn't, she's not a comic, that was a TED Talk right that was that wasn't you know and but she had also a moment of vulnerability the same as you did and i realized watching you how much i enjoyed that and how i wanted you to go i and I know what you did, you kind of pulled out of it, right, and went, fuck her, fuck this, and whatever. And you just kind of went, it's her fault. And you know, just kind of started yelling about it. And it was funny, right? It was really funny. But I realized that I wanted that moment to go longer. Do you know, I want mm-hmm. that, and, and to me, Having the guts to be vulnerable like that. Now, I know. Also, this was in, by the way, Santa Monica, California. It's um, it's like a kind of a living room type comedy club with couches and what have you. And it's a it's a friendly crowd. And it's a small crowd. But wow, to me, having like to to expand stand up to play with that line between comedy and tragedy was so meaningful to me it it was it was grind a moment into my psyche that i will re- remember that moment you know of losing a child and so many people have lost children you know again talk about talk about humanizing and being relatable
1: yeah and it is very real and 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 I was so excited when that happened, and I recorded that set, luckily, and the thing that came out of it as I I was just on the verge of crying on stage and uh, had started to tear up, and that's when I, like... Had that relief moment of like But I don't have to pay for her college Mm -hmm. And these are all the good things About losing a child Is that you don't have to pay for their college And I didn't have to get a sitter tonight Mm -hmm. And also she's not dead Which is like a win for her too And (laughs) Then went into something about And how also like While I'm happy that she's moved on And I'm not in her life Honestly she could use another dad You know she's I will follow her on Instagram And she's kind of a mess and you go into you. You try to bring everyone with you and say, like, "Hey, it is the most painful thing in the world to have lost a seven-year-old child that you raised, that you felt like was your own. But you did the right thing by letting her move on. And here's all the positives, so we can laugh together about someone else who may have lost a child." Or did you have that? Tell me the and truth. That was painful.
0: Did you have that joke in your pocket about? But I don't have to pay for a college.
1: Never, Did, no. no. No, you didn't, didn't have that uh,
0: joke in the pocket, no.
1: No, it almost <laughs> seemed hacky to me. I was like, "Is that too obvious?" But I don't know. No, no it was in the moment.
0: I, it was. It was <laughs> like, "All right, you turn. Let's let's <laughs> let's let's go off off the wall." I um. I so enjoyed how you what you just said about your set list being a list of trauma. Okay. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> this trauma, now that trauma. Um, I'm a big fan of Jessica Kirsten, who seems to have the same set list. Billy's <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> mean, totally screwed up. And you're so funny. And Jessica's so funny. But, um, I, 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 I find there's so many people who are so narcissistic that they're, they're just talking about themselves and they suck the energy out of the room. Do you know what I'm saying? So can you tell, I know a lot of listeners go, oh, this is great because I have a lot of trauma and uh, I can't afford <laughs> therapy, so I'll just make a stand-up audience listen to my problems. But it's not that, is it? You know it, it there's a difference Mm-mm. between a set of of someone who gets paid and is successful doing what they do, and somebody who's a profound narcissist. So, what, yeah. how do you I'm always perplexed about you know finding what is the difference? Like how do we talk about our trauma and and not be so self involved, but we are self involved you know you understand the question i'm asking right how how can you help somebody who's listening to this podcast who's now going great you know just going to complain but yeah. that's not stand-up so how do you how do you you know communicate that
1: mm-hmm. well it's a, i think well it's even in the delivery it's like when someone comes off mean it's because that they're angry at something instead of eternal. Like it's more about self-consciousness and internal feelings, I think. And the more. I, my There's no way anybody could ever steal my set because <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> this is like, nobody is like, even if there was another trans guy, the coolest thing in the world is that when I started comedy, um, it was in, like, as, as a trans guy, it was, like, 2008 in Dallas, Texas. The Addison Improv was my home club. Mm, that's... I took a class.
0: Wow, with Dean Lewis? Yes! I, Dean Lewis... I love ...is Dean. the person
1: who, like, I think re, like, re-gave me the book the second time after I, <laughs> like, had like, lost it or something, bad happened or something. And, um, yeah, I took Dean Lewis's stand-up class. Oh, yeah, he's cool. And he...
0: He was teaching for me for a long time. I loved Dean. So the Addison Comedy Club has meaning for me too. Um Have you ever had? uh There's some shit kickers out there, right, <laughs> at, at that club. And and have you ever had somebody heckle you or call you out? Oh my or God! Put you down?
1: So much. So so I mean, again, like because you know, first of all, when you start comedy, you know. You're not good, nobody starts good in my opinion, when people say like wow you're it's amazing you're a comedian I think the the compliment comes from the fact that you were able to fail a bajillion times without getting completely crushed or at least getting back up after you were crushed all those many times and you know, we were, Mike, all of my open mics were in, like, smoke-filled Dallas Cowboys TV and Behind You bars, and I'm like, I'm transgender, <laughs> and it was uh, the things that people would yell.
0: Like what? Can you give us some, some examples?
1: I mean, vulgar things, like, 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 stuff, like like the D word as for lesbian Mm -hmm. you know and like sexual things and just like things that I don't even touch to say on things because it will they won't show up in search results anymore (laughs) but what it did was it made me numb to it and I also ended up learning that anybody who has to feel that man, there's something truly missing in their life, and they're sad about it, and the only control they have is to throw it at me. And my life is great. I, even when I'm at my worst time, it's because I'm stressed out by, you know, I'm a showrunner's assistant, and there's a lot of logistics and business that has to happen around creativity, and it is stressful. But that's the worst of it. Otherwise, I've made it here. I'm in Los Angeles. Even when I'm in a crappy place, like, I can get green food. And <laughs> all my friends are creatives. And I laugh all the time. And I have a box too filled with crafts. And, like, I'm sorry that you have to yell at me. I'm sure that there's something you're upset about. And I hope that by yelling at me, it made your day better. Because wow. like, if that gave you a little bit of control. That's pretty cool.
0: You're not only trans, you're like the Buddha. (laughs) Just um, um, amazing. That is, oh my God. Well, God, obviously you're not Jewish because that we we, (laughs) do. Hey, I I still have
1: like depression Saturday mornings where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? It's it's that thing where you get on and you're having a lovely time with a creative person. You're like, I was never on the floor yesterday, (laughs) right?
0: (laughs) So are you going to get sick of being trans? I mean, do you want to be just like, not the trans comic, but it's Jeffrey J. He's really funny. That's it.
1: Yeah, always. I mean- always. It's what you always want. You never just want to be a thing. I've been like, like the things that people don't see is that like the amount of times that I've been really close to something, you know, anybody who's, who's, who's doing cool things has been rejected thousands of times. You know, I've gotten so close to so many things and I, in the beginning, you know, I wasn't, (laughs) I was too trans. And then uh, another show I didn't get on because they said America couldn't tell that I was trans. And (laughs) another time they said they had enough people where their comedy was a gimmick. Ooh, ouch. uh, Yeah, and it's like anytime those things come through, it's like not when you're authentic and you bomb or you're rejected like that, you're like, oh, you don't just hate my comedy. You hate me. (laughs) Mm stings an extra level
0: well i i think
1: but i'll tell you what yeah tell me what if you google white guy comedian uh it's really hard to find people but if you google transgender comedian i'm like number one
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know louis anderson who was i just adored was absolute genius and you know he had this opening line he was very heavy for those of who don't know louis And he came out and he said, hey, can everybody see me behind this mic? (laughs) You know, and then he'd go, ah, I know you're all (laughs) thinking. Does he know how fat he is? You know, and and he said, I'm just so (laughs) sick of these friggin' fat jokes. But I just have to, like, I just do them because I've got to do them. Because uh, here I am, I come out and I'm fat. So first thing people see... And he just was talk always talked about how just friggin' sick he is of it. You know. I think have you ever tried and I think you know, this would be pretty daring not to talk about it. Have you ever done that? Like you just come <laughs> out and you do a white guy set.
1: Yeah. So Yeah, totally. And especially anytime I I mean, geez, if you ever want to work on a new joke, because once you start, you've done comedy for a while, jokes aren't short. They, you know, they're they're chunks. And so anytime I want to work on something new, I don't have time to get into it. And if I do want to work on a new trans joke, and I can, if I've been somewhere a while, I'll just be like, you guys, I'm trans. If you don't know what that is, sorry, I got to work on a new joke. (laughs) And I'll just...
0: But what if you didn't even mention it? Skip it. What is it possible Is that possible?
1: It is. It is possible. The one thing that gets like, depending on who they are, uh, I do have to talk about the weirdness of my voice because it throws people. Mm. But I'll also say this: the reason that you don't get. Tired sometimes because I do lots Of jokes about who I am And compass and it's not that they're all about being Trans sometimes it's about the fact that I'm Weirdly adorable and I'm 35 or That I'm non-threatening and I'm 5'3 Or that I love (laughs) to skip and I wear Onesies Or that I happen to be (laughs) Asexual and so I like having slumber parties And like so, so I, th- I think you don't get tired of it when it's truly about the frustrations or what it is your life is. And Being trans is a bother in your life all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's your reality.
0: I'm sorry that they called it a gimmick. I think that's just so God awful. <laughs> I remember when I, follow, I had to follow Jerry Jewell, who is cerebral palsy, and you know, she has jokes like, "I don't know why people get drunk so they can walk like me." You know, really super funny comic. And I did, <laughs> I did follow her and say, oh, "Everybody's got to have a gimmick." <laughs> I just, <laughs> well, anyway, I I, I just want to thank you because watching you really gave me the courage to be more who I am, and and. I think everybody listening to this is going to do a set list of their traumas and see what happens. And it's just been awesome. What's next for you? Where can people where can people see you or online? Or I guess, um, I'm going to put um, in the description your website and your Instagram and everything so people can find you. And you guys, if you're listening to this, go to his Instagram, really watch some of his videos. This guy, is an hysterical white guy. Thanks for being here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: For your special gift, go to themessageofyou.com. That's themessageofyou.com and get your free one-year subscription to The Message of You University, which is full of lessons to help you find your message and turn it into a book, a TED talk or a paid speaking career. That's the message of